I mentioned last week. I wanted to come back here, and we're going to come back here today. The book of Ruth, chapter 4, verse 5, is where we're going to look today. The book of Ruth, chapter 4, and verse 5. want to welcome you here today. So glad you're at Starkville Church of God. I know you could be a lot of other places doing a lot of other things, including just laid up in your own bed. But I'm thankful that you're here in church today. Why don't you look at somebody beside you there and say, hey, I'm glad you're here at church today. Tell them. <laughs> the book of Ruth, chapter 4 verse 5. We're going to read through verse 8. I'm reading through the King from the King James Version. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, what really is one of the most important subjects in the Bible, because without it, we don't have redemption. I want to speak to you on the subject of the kinsman redeemer. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray for me as I do the same for you? Father, we thank you so much for today. I thank you for every man, woman, boy, and girl that has come to the Starkville Church of God today. I thank you, O oh Lord, for everyone that is listening to this podcast today. And Lord, I know that I and myself, I can't do anything. But Lord, I know that with Christ, I can do all things. And I know that what I'm preaching today is not my opinion, but it is the Word of God. And I know that that Word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which has been set forth to do. So I pray that the seed would fall onto good ground. And I pray for a mighty multiplied harvest. And I pray that you'd help me today. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so absolutely necessary to do what you've called me to do here today. Let the Word of God be like fire shut up in my bones. And Father, I give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody in the house said, Amen. God bless you. You can be seated here this morning. The story of Ruth is one of redemption. From start to finish, it is filled with type and shadows of things concerning redemption that would be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the Old Testament. Now, I know that, you know, there's a lot of people that just want to throw it out, but I'm thankful that Jesus said, and I know you've heard me quote this, but you'll hear me a lot of times that Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but he said, I came to fulfill the law. And the book of Ruth is one of those books in the Old Testament that is so, so rich in types and shadows and pointing toward what Jesus Christ would do. 
And to me, that's one of the things that makes our God so great. You know, that it wasn't some last-ditch effort to try to make something happen. If you're like me, you know, I like action movies and disaster movies. And, you know, sometimes it's like at the last minute they come up with some plan that just some way, somehow works and they save the world or they save their people or some way, somehow it works. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's just by the skin of their teeth and they just throw it together at the last minute. But I'm thankful today that I serve a God who said that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. That, that redemption through Jesus Christ on the cross was not some last second plan that God just hurriedly threw together to try to just make things work out somehow. Absolutely not. God had a plan. The Bible tells me he knows the end from the beginning. That's why the Bible tells me that he's the alpha, he's the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last, and he is everything in between. I'm thankful today that as we look at the book of Ruth and we look at this story and we read other things in the Old Testament, these types and shadows, it lets me know that I am serving an all-knowing, all-powerful God that didn't just try to get something up at the last minute to redeem me, that he loved me when I was still unlovable that he loved before I was ever born and before I ever sinned he loved me so much that he had a plan put together and in motion that would bring redemption to all humanity that would accept him by the end of the sixth verse of chapter one we've met a family reacting to famine and if you were here last week you heard me preach this. I'm just going to scratch the surface of this. If you weren't here, you can go back and listen to it on podcast. We find a family that had reacted to a famine. We find that Elimelech and Naomi had taken their two sons. They had left Bethlehem, the house of bread. And they had gone to the land of Moab, which represented the world. And we find that as they remained there, that Elimelech, died there. We find that her two sons died there. They died away from Bethlehem. They died away from the house of bread. And after the death of her husband and her two sons, after about 10 years, Naomi then decided that she would return to Bethlehem with but first the journey they were going to leave with both of her daughter-in-laws. But before it's over with, before they really got gone, it was her and one of her daughter-in-laws whose name was Ruth. You see, we find something that we didn't talk about last week, that before they left Bethlehem 10 years ago, when Elimelech had walked out, he had walked out on some debts. He had walked out on some debts that he had left, and there wasn't any bill collectors to hunt him down. There wasn't anybody that came from Bethlehem uh, to go to Moab to, find, to hunt him down. But when Naomi walked back into Bethlehem, she knew that Elimelech's debts were going to be there when she got back. And unless somebody would help her, she knew that she was not going to be able to pay the debt. Brothers and sisters, can I tell you, every single one of us, every man, woman, boy, and girl, we have a debt, a debt 
called sin, a sin debt that can't nobody here pay for on our own. It doesn't matter how many orphans you feed. doesn't matter how many mission trips you go on. doesn't matter how many Sunday school lessons you teach. doesn't matter any of that. No matter what you do, you and I, I don't care how many sermons I preach, youth camps I work, pastors, churches I pastor, no amount of that could ever pay the debt. And Ruth had a debt that there was no way that she could pay. But there was somebody, there was somebody there that was able to pay her debt. She had a need of a kinsman redeemer to pay the debt that she couldn't owe. And if you don't hear another word that this preacher says, can I tell you today that there is a kinsman redeemer that is able to pay the sin debt that you yourself are not willing to pay? You say, how do you know? I know because he paid my debt. The reason I know is because he paid my debt and wiped my slate clean and now I stand in redemption and forgiveness that you can too. We find that she would spend her life in bondage unless somebody would be her kinsman redeemer. We find her daughter-in-law, Naomi's daughter-in-law, Ruth, secured a job in the fields of a man named Boaz. Everybody say Boaz. Who, as I said, this book is so rich and filled with. Boaz was a type of Christ in this book. Ruth was given the opportunity to tell Boaz all about her and Naomi's troubles. Now, I know you ladies, y'all like these love stories. Now, me and the girls were at camp this week, and, and Jamie was here by herself part of the time, and I get a picture that she's watching Christmas in July on the Hallmark Channel or whatever channel it was. Come on, any of y'all other ladies, was y'all watching that too? I know y'all was, and I know y'all love these stories, so I'm going to tell you, go back and read. It's only four chapters long. It is a love story. It's a story of love that blossoms between Ruth and Boaz. And let's just sometimes, you know, as reading through this in preparation, you know, sometimes we try to spiritualize it just maybe even a little bit too much when we look at the actual story. You read through this story and you find that, oh, Boaz, it, it wasn't that just Boaz was just feeling super spiritual. I think Ruth was a looker. Now, y'all can try to be super spiritual if you want to, but Ruth obviously was a looker, and Ruth was out there in the fields. And Ruth was out there, and they were in those times away. The, the welfare system of the day was that they would leave corners of the fields and dropping so that they can go and glean. And old Boaz didn't take him long, and he got eyes on old Ruth, and he started telling his boys, he said, y'all let her get out there in the good stuff. Don't you stop. I know what everybody else is supposed to do. Just get the corners. If she gets to wander, remember, she was a foreigner. She was a Moabite. She'd never been there. She didn't know all the rules. And he told them, he said, you boys, you better not get on to her. You let her walk up in the middle of the good stuff and start giving. If she wants some of that, that girl, she doesn't got my attention. You give her whatever she wants. Somebody say amen. Y'all trying to act all spiritual on me now. And in this, Ruth was able to share with Boaz the story of what's going on. And in that whole theme of things, we know 
I'm about to get into my points, but I'm laying the foundation of this story. And in this, we also find out Boaz has been doing a little checking up on Ruth himself. And he even mentions how good she had been to her mother-in-law, who her husband was dead, but how good she had been to her, to Naomi, and, and, and this attracted him to her. Everybody wants to be bad now, but somebody, how many, it's still okay to be good, amen? <laughs> amen, it's still, it's still okay to be good, and he was attracted to her. And Ruth was able to tell Boaz all about their story. And upon hearing this story about Naomi's troubles and Ruth's troubles, he determined something, that they needed the help of a kinsman redeemer. And wanting to serve them in this capacity, he first acknowledged that there was a nearer kinsman who had the first option. And since we're talking about how the book of Ruth is so filled with types and shadows, that nearer kinsman represented the Old Testament or the old law, and Boaz represented that New Testament grace. And both of these men uh, uh, fit most of the qualifications of a redeemer. Uh, the, The old Hebrew word for redeemer was goel. And we find there were five qualifications that had to be met if you were going to be a goel or a kinsman redeemer for someone in bondage. And I want us to look at these five and look at them of how Jesus Christ qualifies for our redeemer. If you're taking notes, number one, first of all, the redeemer had to claim a kinship. You see, a man had to be related to the one needing the help if he was to redeem them. A good friend or a mere acquaintance could not serve in this role. Now, I know in this day and age that we live in, uh, uh, you know, if anybody will take money, you know, it don't matter if they're kin to you or not. If you go, if somebody goes up to a place that you owe money on your behalf and hands them money, they ain't going to argue. They're not going to say, well, are you kin? Is there a kinship? And, and we think of things on that terms. But when, when the Old Testament in this story, we have to understand and comprehend this, that in order to be a kinsman redeemer, it couldn't just be a good friend or an acquaintance that wanted to do this. No, they had to be related in order to be a kinsman redeemer and Ladies and gentlemen, that is why Jesus became related to us in order to redeem us. I want to let you know that he did not come to earth as some spirit or some mystic being. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago there in that little town, isn't that quite a coincidence that's sarcastic, that he came born in Bethlehem, the same place that we're talking about here. When he came on Bethlehem on that first Christmas night, He came not as a spirit, not as a ghost, but Jesus Christ, according to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. He took on flesh and he dwelt among us. I know that we love Christmas. I've already mentioned the Christmas movies and we love right here in the middle of July heat in Mississippi. We think about how it's going to be a little bit cooler in December and we love that Christmas time. But can I tell you that Christmas is more than about trees and more than about cute plays but Christmas represents the fact that in order for us to have a kinsman redeemer he had to become kin to us and God in spirit 
Spirit was not kin to us, but it was Jesus Christ that was willing to take on flesh and dwelt among us. He was conceived by a virgin named Mary by the Holy Spirit, and he therefore became human and became kin to us in order to meet the qualification of a kinsman redeemer. The second thing we find was that the Redeemer had to be free himself. The Redeemer had to be free himself. You see, it was impossible to help someone out of bondage and debt if you yourself were in bondage and in debt. You see, you had to, you couldn't be stuck in the same mud. How many of you ever gotten a truck or a tractor or anything stuck before? You know, I've been in, in that situation before. I've seen it before, and I can remember. I can remember a long time ago, I used to enjoy going with Daddy out to the, he drove a log truck, and, and uh, we'd go out to the woods on Saturday if, if they were having to move the equipment. And I loved, as a kid, I loved equipment, and I loved mud. And I won't ever forget that we were, we were riding one time, and we, we had to, I think we were on the skitter, and the skitter uh, uh, was, was, was towing the knuckle boom, and in front of the skitter, because it was so muddy to get up a hill, then there was a dozer up in front of that pulling us. But if, if those were not free, you had to, if you can't pull something out, if you're not free yourself, uh, if you get your lawnmower, were stuck in the yard. You can't get off in the mud in your truck and get stuck and pull it out. You've got to have a solid foundation to be able to pull out something that's stuck. You see, the Redeemer had to be free himself. The kinsman Redeemer couldn't be stuck in the same old sin. The kinsman Redeemer couldn't be stuck in the same old debt in order to free kinsman redeemer could not be contaminated by the very same problem that he was trying to bring someone out of that's why in first peter 1 18 and 19 we find knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, there are some that try to convince us that he was without deity and perfection when he walked upon the earth. Have you ever heard some of this garbage that they try to propagate sometimes? They try to talk about, well, well, Jesus had a relationship with Mary Magdalene, or Jesus was a homosexual with John, or some of this garbage that they try to propagate. Can I just tell you something today? That Jesus Christ, as the kinsman redeemer, was never, ever ever contaminated by the sin that we otherwise he would never be able to pull us out of it. I need to remind you that he was 100% man but 100% God. He was perfect. He was spotless. He was sinless in all of his ways. The third thing that a kinsman redeemer had to have was he had to have the right price. Whatever the amount of debt was, the kinsman redeemer had to be able to reach into his pockets and produce that much capital. He couldn't just say, well, maybe in a few years I can accumulate this and do it. No, he had to be able right then, right there, to produce the capital that was necessary to redeem. And when it came to our redemption, Jesus had and he still has the right price. 
I read to you where Peter said, We're not redeemed by gold or silver, but by the precious blood of the Lamb of God. And can I tell you that nothing has ever affected the price. The Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no redemption. Blood has always been the price. It has never changed. It was the same then, and it's the same now. I don't care how wicked this world seems. I don't care how bad you think it is right now. Don't you ever think that the blood of Jesus is still not enough to wash away every single sin. That old song still holds true. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you that Jesus had and he still has the right price to wash away every sin in your life. Give him praise if you believe it today. Fourthly, the Redeemer had to be able. Good intentions do not come into play. A man had to have the ability to redeem. He had to be able to produce the proof of kinship. It wasn't just taking, now we know, in today's society, it's a little bit different documentation and all those. But when you read, you find that when Boaz got ready to do this, he got ten of the elders there at the gate of the city. He said, we've got to make this official. He had to be able to declare his own freedom from debt and slavery. He had to be able to produce the amount of funds needed to pay someone out of their debt. How wonderful it is to know that we serve an able Lord, and that nothing is beyond his sphere of ability. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that a long time ago as King Nebuchadnezzar was raging mad because they would not bow to his false idol. They looked at him and said, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. In Philippians 3 and 21 we find that he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Jude writes in verse 24, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I just need to stop by the Starkville Church of God this morning and tell somebody that Jesus Christ is still able. He is still able. We used to sing that song. I know I'm throw, giving you a lot of throwbacks here, but that's all right. Yes, God is able to do whatsoever we ask in the name of his Son that is will by be done. Yes, he is able to do whatsoever we need if we only believe when we pray. I just need to remind somebody here today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter how bad things may seem, I believe that Jesus Christ is still able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ever ask or think. Fifthly and finally, the Redeemer had to be willing. It came down to the point in the story between Boaz and the nearer kinsman. Both were able, but only one was willing. 
You see, the near kinsman was afraid of what a Gentile girl might do to his inheritance. We read in our text, and the kinsman said in verse 6, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. You see, I believe that tells us that it's not that that near kinsman couldn't do it, but he didn't want to. He was afraid of what this Gentile girl, this Moabitess, might do to his reputation and his inheritance. But Boaz allowed his Ruth, his love for Ruth, to annul any concerns that he had. Can I one more time stop and point to you the beauty of this story, the type and the shadow of Jesus Christ? And how Jesus Christ looked down on a lost and broken and dying world. And can I be more specific? He looked down on an old boy in Chickasaw County. He didn't care how bad I was. He didn't care that I didn't have a drop of Abraham's blood in my body. He looked down on all of us, Jew or Gentile. And he loved us. All you've got to do is read the Gospels and you read how Jesus continually was moved with compassion. The Bible says that over and over he would see the crowds, how they were lost and they were sick and they were broken and he was moved with compassion. Can I just tell you something? That just as Boaz was so in love with Ruth that he didn't care what her past was. He didn't care what it looked like. He loved her so much that he he was willing to be our kinsman redeemer. And folks, can I tell you, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter how much you have or don't have. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. Jesus Christ loves you and me so much that he was willing to become our kinsman redeemer. Amen. Give the Lord praise. That's all right. The Old Testament law had taken care of Jews for 4,000 years, but was unwilling to make room for the Gentile. Thank God that Jesus was both able and willing. He didn't have to make a place for us, but I'm so glad he did. I'm going to put it to y'all one more time. I'm sorry, but I just can't help it. I don't know. I've just been in church a lot, listen to music a lot, and I think about that song too. I don't know why Jesus loved me. I don't know why he cared. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. Oh, but I'm glad. I am so glad he did. Old Testament law had to admit that it was weak where the Gentiles were concerned. In Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 7, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been salt for a second. But the old covenant just wouldn't make room for the Gentile. That old covenant just didn't have place for everyone else besides the seed of Abraham. And because it wasn't able, there was a second covenant salt. And that kinsman, redeemer, named Jesus Christ, came down, took on flesh so that he could be our kin, dwelt among us, gave his life 
for us so that we could be redeemed from the sin that gripped our life. As our musicians come and take their places, I want to remind you what Scripture tells us, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus Christ is the only one that has ever been perfect on this planet. Every single one of us besides Him, we're in the bondage. We have the debt like Naomi had the debt that she could not pay. We've got a sin debt. Now, I know what some people think. Well, you don't know, Pastor. You know, you're a preacher and you've lived a decent life. You don't know the kind of sin I've been in. Let me just tell you, every single one of us were born into sin. Every single one of us are in need of redemption. And the good news is that God is still able. That the price has never changed. That price is blood. And that precious, spotless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, shed His blood as our kinsman redeemer so that we who were slaves and in bondage to sin could be set free. When you think about this, you study, and I don't have time this morning. You study, you study about sin, and you study about how we were slaves. And the redemption, how you're bought back out. Our world has so glorified sin. We've become so sensual and so evil that we've glorified sin. Can I remind you how sin is still bondage? And it always looks good at first. I mentioned this last week. It always looks good at first, but it always ends up costing you more than advertised. How I many of you have ever been, you ever been to buy something? I want to forget, it wasn't long before we moved to Illinois. We got a little thing in the mail. Our Maxima, I got the oil changed at the Nissan dealership, so they knew what we had. So we got this little thing in the mail. And then they also sent me a, a text they're like, we want to buy your car. We'll give you top dollar for it. Text us and see. Put, it, put your model. We'll send you an offer. So I was like, all right. You know, we're not really looking, but, you know. So I texted in. Text the mileage. Text all that. They sent me an offer. You know, it's going to be between this and this. I got online and. We look, I think, some Pathfinders or something like that. I looked, and all these rebates that it had on there, and I'm like, well, let's, let's go over there and ride over to Wood River and check this out. So we went over there, and, you know, I don't want to offend anybody that's a salesman here, but he's like, oh, yeah, let me give you the keys. He gave us the keys. We went out there and drove one of those new Pathfinders. It's nice. And then we sat down at the desk. It's like, well, let's get down to business. 
So he said, well, let me get all this worked up, and he slid it over to me. And the price he was going to give us for our car was way below even the range that they text me. And then all these rebates and the 0% financing and all that. He's like, well, that was, I said, that's what it said online. He's like, well, you can't stack all that. I was like, it stacked it online. <laughs> well, I can't do that. It's like, well, listen, I didn't even want to buy anything, and y'all sent me all this and, and told me you was going to give me this much. You're not even going to give me as much as what you texted me and told me you was going to give me. Needless to say, as if you know, we still drive that Maxima. We didn't trade it in. I say all that to say when it comes to sin, sin always advertises a much lower price. They always, it always advertises. Just dabble a little bit in this. It won't cost you much. Just take part in this right over here. It's, it's not going to cost you that much. Just a little bit. But when the paper gets slid to you, it always costs more. And then when it comes to sin, that's a price none of us can pay. Thanks be to God, there's a kinsman redeemer who is able and willing to pay the price for you and me. Would you stand with me please this morning? Amen. Thank the Lord for that. Come on, give God praise. Give God praise. Thank Him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I know you may need to go, but it's just 1143. But I ask if you'd be still for just a moment because this is such an important part of this service right now. I wonder if in this room right now you're here. You say, Pastor, I need the help of a kinsman redeemer. I've got sin in my life, and I know I can't take care of it myself. I got good news for you. There's a kinsman redeemer who he is both able and willing to take care of your sin here in this place today. With nobody looking around, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need the Lord. I need the Lord to help me to be my kinsman redeemer and take care of sin, that cost that is too great for me in my life. Would you slip up your hand this morning? I'm not going to embarrass you. Anybody here? Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Father, right now in Jesus' mighty name, I thank you for this message. I'm not talking about how I preach. I'm talking about the message of the kinsman redeemer as we find it in your word, Ruth. A message and a story of love. A message and story about how things can go really, really, really bad. But there's a kinsman redeemer. There's a love that can pull us out Lord, I pray for your love to just fill this sanctuary right now. I pray that the love of Jesus Christ would just come out, not because I've done some mad, mad, marvelous job. I can't even get it out. 
but because of your word, and I know it won't return void, I believe your word's done something here today. I pray that the love of Jesus Christ as it's gone forth from your word would fill this room, that there would just be an atmosphere. Let there be a, let there be a holy blanket of your love to come down in this sanctuary right now. And for those that need your forgiveness, that they would find it here today, oh God, because you're able and you're willing. Holy Spirit of God, draw every heart here that's not right. Draw this morning, I pray. If you're here and you need forgiveness in your life, maybe you've never been saved and you want to get saved, you want to, you want to receive the Lord for the first time, or maybe you've been saved, but you've just come to a realization that I, I just need the forgiveness of that kinsman redeemer. I need him to pay a price I can't pay. If you're here and you want to meet him, I'm telling you he's here this morning. Would you just step out of your seat and come to these altars? I'm not going to put a microphone in your mouth. I'm not going to ask you any questions, but I am going to pray for you. Is there anybody here that you say you'd be willing to say, I want to come down and I want to meet this kinsman redeemer here at these altars. Just come and find a place and kneel at these altars right now and just begin to call out to him and say, Lord, I've come. I've come because I can't pay the price on my own. I need the help of a kinsman redeemer. Maybe you're here and you've been struggling. You've been struggling with feeling like that you've done too much. You sinned too much. You're just unworthy. And you needed this message today to remind you that the price is still the same and the blood of Christ is still able. God sent me to tell you, stop living in condemnation. Stop carrying around guilt for stuff that you've been forgiven for. Oh, God. These altars are open for you right now. If you're here, as they begin to sing, I'm going to wait. We're going to sing for just a little bit. These altars are open. Whatever it may be, if you need to meet with this kinsman redeemer here today, I want you to come and find him right here in these altars as they begin to sing.